my name is Moses Kisali. I'm currently the studio manager of Denver Design Incubator. I am, I would say I run a sustainable brand called Kilione. Um, we do more of upcycling, but we mix and match with our manufacturers making like varsity jackets and then we upcycle denim and pieces like that. I've showcased in multiple runways and then I do pop-up shops just to like um, showcase different talent in the city. I run a media production called Six Six. With the media production called Six Six, what we do there is um, I try to recruit um, like talented young photographers, videographers. So we create content where it's like, you know, we're building around the city where it's like, we're going to all these like local shows, fashion runways, Anything that's more like based in Denver, we try to documentate that so we can like shed light for all of them and so on. And it just like, it just comes in together. Like we're trying to build a nice little community. My, my main goal right now is I don't want designers, I don't want artists and things like that to feel like they have to go to LA or to New York or to Miami to get the recognition that they deserve. I want them to come out here. Like I want them to stay out here. Like we have so much... We have so much talented artists who have potential and stuff. So like, that's my main goal. And that's why um, the partnership with Denver Design Incubator happened was because like, I want to turn this into the fashion house where designers can come in here and like create and like feel comfortable and just like build. And yeah, that's kind of really the main goals. And that's what I do. How do you source the clothes? Because it's my understanding upcycling is where you take something old that's used or something like that, and then you kind of reuse it and maybe add some stuff to it to kind of mm-hmm. make it look look cooler, right? More yeah, fashionable. Look cooler. Like, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what upcycling is. It's more of like, I would say upcycling is like, um, it's taking something that's has been used, you know, like something that's old and then reusing it and repurposing it and reimagining it, creating something that's, um, much more cool, I guess. Um, you add value to something that's old. Most of the time with recycling, if you take the the piece, whatever you're recycling, and they don't add value to that. It's just being recycled. It's going to be reused, right, but like right. they're not adding value to it. It but breaks with, down. It's not really the same thing exactly, anymore. But with upcycling, it's more like you take something that's used and you add in value to that piece. The sourcing of my upcycling, the way I go about the upcycling is like, you know, every now and then if I do get fabrics from friends who don't, who don't use the pieces anymore and stuff like that, it's perfect. Um, like I'll get denim or like bags of denim from like friends. If the jeans don't fit them no more, they were like, oh, can you do something to this? At least make me one pair of jeans and everything else you can have for free. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Um, I don't have to go to Goodwill or something or like um, go buy them. I thrift a lot. That's how I started at first. It was more of like thrifting and then, um, you know, buying $10 jeans. And the next thing, you know, I'm flipping them, selling them for 150 because it's like, you know, it's handwork at the end of the day, like you're getting paid for your talent and so on. And plus, instead of it just going to waste, Goodwill has a lot of jeans in there. Um, and it's just I bet, like I bet someone's apps to keep that piece a lot longer than they would be if they just bought the jeans at the, correct, at the thrift store themselves. Correct. correct. Like that part, like I, yeah, I'll keep most of the pieces that I remake. I'll rather keep that much more longer just because it's like, you know, it hits home. It's just like, oh, I made this from with my own hand from scratch. So every time I have to let go of a piece, it's just like, it's like an artist thing. I don't like letting go of my pieces, but I do just because like, you know, 
uh, I'm building like a supply and demand type of um, audience right now. And I'm, I'm glad that this upcycling thing, not this upcycling thing, not to say it like that, but you know how trends just come and go. So like upcycling currently right now is a trend and I hope it's here to stay for like local designers and just designers who are trying to get into the game. It's the easiest way to get into the game. Just learn how to sell or learn how to paint on the jeans or something like that, you know, and you can easily flip whatever you got into something that's much more cool or something that you want to keep much more longer instead of just throwing the jeans away or like, you know, going to giving it away is a good thing too. So sure. Know, yeah. What is, do you have like a, a typical formula that you go through when you get something? So you get the pair of jeans at the thrift shop, mm -hmm. right? And then do you already know, like, like have kind of an idea of what you're going to do to it or is every piece kind of just whatever is in the moment you know? <laughs> yeah i i would say for me i don't go through the traditional route of like designing like other designers and everything like that and, you know other designers will write it down will draw it out and stuff like that um for me it's more like the way i go about it is more like i like saying i say it like this i look at the pieces like i'll cut it up and everything like that and then i put it together like a puzzle that's mm. me. That's me. Like, if I show you what I'm wearing right now, the jeans that I'm wearing right now, it's it has patches and holes and everything like that. It wasn't thought out. Like, I didn't thought out that, think out the idea or anything like that. I just sat there and then I was like, hmm, if I put this and that together, da, 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 and then if I bleach it, ooh, ooh, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's, that's a fire idea. So it's not like I'm going about it, like thinking, oh, today I want to make black jeans. Like, Every now and then, yeah. But if it doesn't end up being black jeans and it's like something totally different from the black jeans, it's like, you know, it's just like, I really think of it like I'm puzzled, like I'm making a puzzle most of the times. And it's just an artist thing for me. I don't even think I should be calling myself a designer. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I should call myself a puzzle maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what I think. Um, but you know, every other designer, like, who I see has been into upcycling. The way they go about it is pretty cool as well. Some of them will draw out the, the ideas for surely and take measurements and stuff like that. Like I do take measurements, but that's if I'm making it for a customer who has a sure. vision and so on and how they want it. It's kind of hard to like remake something that I already made from the top of my mind because I never like draw it out or anything like that so, so there's no formula everything's kind of everything is custom everything is custom one. yeah everything's custom from step one and i think that's what my audience loves about me they love the fact that it's just like they love the fact that it's one of one nobody else can get their hands onto what they're wearing you know and that's what i try to push with my varsity jackets that i make for them with the denim that i make for them if i do varsity jackets and so on i'll try to get like a certain number of varsities in different styles so that nobody else can have that. And then if I'm doing denim, I'll try to do certain type of denim in this type of style. But the denim for real, it's like really exclusive, like different, 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 different all the time. Like I don't try to copy other designers or anything. And that's one thing that I kind of, it's like, I don't like it when they come with me. They come with an idea, like from a different designer and be like, can you make me something similar to that? I'm like, ah something similar but i'll add my own twist to it or i do i do some just a little bit of work from my mom's factory and um you know just just filtering through some of the emails you get that all the time it's yeah. you know 
I want something like these people have, or this is our product catalog, and the product catalog is filled with other brands, right? They're just samples of stuff. So I think that's kind of the cool thing. When you, when you shift into the design phase of things and you get away from the, I just want to make something like that, and it's like, you know, your own custom it, art then more as opposed to just creating mm-hmm. clothing. I think that that can be super cool. And that's one thing, like, you know, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, I started off doing more of commissions and everything like that. And that was really good, you know. It's a nice way to make a quick buck, um, get rid of pieces a little bit much more faster like that. Um, if you have a lot of denim that's just sitting in a bucket, reuse that and make something that's um, that's going along with your vision. However, as an artist, I want to create my own stamp. Like, I want to be known for this thing, like this certain thing. I don't want to be known as the artist that's, like, creating um, other people's designs and so on. So that's why. It's not that I moved away from commissions and so on, but like when I'm doing collections like for Denver Fashion Week and different runways and stuff like that, I try to stay away from commissions just because it will derive with my mind because then now I'm looking at that commission. Don't get me wrong. With commissions, what you learn from commissions is like you kind of get inspired to put certain things from that commission into your own collection. Um, And then you're just like, oh, damn, this is how it looks. This is the vision that they have. Like, I guess I can take this one little design over there that I did put in there into my own collection and, like, we can try to make that work and put it together as one. So that's what, that's what I look at. It's more of, like, what am I going to learn from this commission, you know? It's not any... I can take on any challenge when it comes to commissions and so on, but for now, right now, I'll just be like, eh, I'm not taking commissions right now. I'm good. Like, it's, it's no offense to my customers because they really be on my head, like... Ah, uh, you made this person of jeans, but you're not making me. I'm like, no, I'm not picking and choosing. It's just like <laughs> what you're asking for right now is just missing with my um creative pro- process and everything like that. So that's how I go about it. What first got you into upcycling? COVID. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, what really got me into upcycling was really like back in, honestly, okay, here's a backstory, okay? And I guess I've been doing upcycling before the word upcycling was a thing. Maybe it was a thing. Okay, back in 2017, before COVID and everything like that. Back in, no, 2016. That's 2016 when I was still in high school and everything like that. So I couldn't afford buying jeans every week or anything like that. Like, I couldn't buy new jeans almost every every month or something. So what I would do at the time, I was still wearing H&M. Okay, no thing. <laughs> I don't wear that no more. <laughs> but like at the time, I was still wearing H and M, and basically the vision that I had was like, okay, I'll buy these plain jeans right now, and I'll wear the plain jeans while they're still playing for like a good month. I'll wear them for like a a good one month, and they're still playing. And then afterwards, what I would do after that month was I'll like start ripping them up, bleach them up. Where I cut them up is where I'll bleach them up. And then try to make them look like a different jeans so that then I would, so I would at least keep them for like a good three, four months and everything like that. So people think, you know, I like got some different jeans and so on. Like I look cool and everything like that. So that was more of the vision that I was going with back in 2017. I guess that is kind of upcycling because you're still using that same pen and everything like that. And then I really got into more of like creating a brand and everything and upcycling was in 2020. Um, when COVID hit, um, the thing is my manufacturer closed down because I've originally started making like 
tracksuits, more of like hoodies and sweatpants and stuff like that. When I couldn't make hoodies and sweatpants and tracksuits anymore, I was left with a sewing machine in the house. My mom always used to sew and everything, but I never like looked too much into it. I was just like, oh man, what she's making is so complicated. I'm not interested in doing what she's doing. So I was like, no. But then, you know, COVID hit and I knew a couple of friends. I knew how to sew and everything like that. Then I was just like, oh, damn. Oh, can you put me on? Like, how do you do, how do you go about that? Uh, but, you know, it's COVID, so it's kind of hard to, like, meet up with the people and everything. Like, YouTube is really my closest friend. Learned almost everything about sewing through YouTube. Um, maybe one of my friends showed me how to thread a sewing machine. And from then onwards, it was just magic. It was just like, I just needed to learn how to thread the sewing machine. After that, it was good. I was, I was good. And practice honestly makes perfect. I kept on just redoing, repeating the same process, same process, same process. And, you know, my mom just would be like, why are you bringing these dead people's clothes in my house? <laughs> you know, our parents just don't like it. It's not that they don't like, but it's just like, um, when they see like you just thrifting a lot and so on, it's just like, uh, why are you bringing all these people's clothes in my house and stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> so basically that's what how they were looking at me but no it was it was really a process after taking that whole year learning how to sew i got invited to Denver fashion week to showcase under a sustainable night and from then onwards it, it literally spiraled like my whole vision for my brand and i was like this is how i should be going about my brand because i didn't really think of my branding as like sustainability at first you know and i was just doing it just to do it and then certain words just become popular over the years and so on and i was just like oh okay it either became popular or i just didn't know sure. about it that, and that was something interesting because when, when we were out in um vegas at this trade show we we got asked a couple questions about up upcycling um I, I know someone in particular was going so many clothes in the world we really need this many clothes, and so can't we just reuse what we have? Mm -hmm. And I think upcycling is like the perfect example of that. It was interesting to me to find out that people were interested in linking that with sustainability as well, because it's, it's kind of an interesting intersection of subjects. Yeah, and it's crazy because, you know, sustainability or upcycling, it goes back, like, way back. Like, I'm talking like 1940s way back. So currently we're working on a show called Make Do and Mend. Make Do and Mend is basically a campaign that was pushed back in the 1940s during World War II. They were trying to force people to like reuse, reimagine, repurpose the clothes that they currently have and not go out in public to buy new clothes and so on and like spend money on that because they're going through difficult times. When I seen that, I was just like oh man, this kind of plays in part with what, what we're doing right now. It's like upcycling. And then the first time the word upcycling was actually used was by the designer Dapper Dan back in 1980. And I'm not sure, yeah, you know, I'm not sure if you know about Dapper Dan. What he was doing was like, he was repurposing, I don't want to say bootleg, because that's, it. no, it's not bootleg. Like he was repurposing Louis Vuitton, like, um, was it Louis Vuitton? Was it Gucci? One of the two. I might get their name wrong. Don't kill me. But he was repurposing one of like the luxury brands, and like all the artists in New York used to come down to his tailor store to like um find out like, hey, I want that. And basically, what happened was rappers who were like, you know, 
gaining notoriety. You know the word. Notoriety? Yeah, like they were just becoming like more popular throughout the city and everything like that. And they would start taking music videos with it. So people would go to the actual luxury store and be like, hey, I want that jacket. Where can I get that jacket from? Like they would take a screenshot or I don't know how they go about it back in the days. But like they were trying to like get the same piece that Dapper Dan was making. And Dapper Dan's the only person who's making these pieces. And it was a secret. Nobody was supposed to know like that, you know. They thought they were doing Dapper Dan a favor by bringing these customers back to his store. However, the people were like undercover and that's how he got raided. It's kind of crazy how history just plays part with everything that we're currently doing now. Everything in fashion is just being like remade and everything like that so honestly i i can never say anybody's copying anybody like that it's being reworked that's how fashion goes the trend might die but it will come up again everybody's wearing baggy jeans again right yeah exactly we was all in skinny jeans right now we all in baggy <laughs> jeans again you know wasn't the last thing like <laughs> 60s or something <laughs> <laughs> bootleg jeans you know they're adding everything yeah. it's like that's fashion like it's just, Nobody's copying nobody. It's just like something that, that's the purpose of fashion. Maybe back in that time, the jeans couldn't be worn with certain shoes that they were wearing. Now they're thinking about it like outfits that they can put together now. And it's like, oh, this jeans with this sneaker. Small things like that. Even varsities, you know, it it was like, I want to do a history dive on varsities. It's crazy how varsity started. It was like, it really started off as a baseball thing and and it wasn't even the way the way the traditional varsity looks now it wasn't even like that it was like on a switch shirt and then they call that a varsity and that was like back in i, I can't i can't give you dates on that but just know it was a long time ago and then it slowly transitioned into like basketball teams picking it up and then football teams picking it up and then it became a varsity jacket and and then how it made its way into like the fashion world was back in the 2000s where it's just like, wow, you know, it's just like, it's crazy how certain things just fall into place and then how it just like dies down and becomes popular again. It's, I, I always like try to keep an eye on that. Like, and I think that's where my talent derives from. It's like, I'm able to like, this right here is something that you should keep your eye out on, you know, it's just like, it's small things like that, but you know, I'm not, I'm not yet to brag or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so is this, is this one of your jackets that you're wearing right now? Um, this no, no. Okay, <laughs> do you have one you can show? Yeah, I have one that I can show. Yeah, uh, you want me to bring it? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Let's do it. So this right here, this is a pink varsity jacket and everything. And you see how it has the tags on it and everything? Yeah. And that's why, like, at the end of the day, like, Vosti's cow companies are so hypocritical about, like, ah, oh, he's doing the Vosti. He's talking about upcycling, but he still has a manufacturer that does his things and stuff like that. Now, I'm more close to my manufacturer, and it's not like little kids in... Asia, just like in a switch shop, working there. So no, this is more of like I built a relationship and I built a relationship. I know the artist who's making my stuff. And it's like, you know, I know the the work and everything that's being put into these things. And this is a blue one. Um, it's just the same type same of design. Time. 
Um, and then, you know, at the back, it just has kill unit. And kill unit basically already by itself means turning nothing into something already. Like, that's what I'm saying. The whole upcycling and sustainable things just fell into place and everything was because the name of the brand already kill unit is just like turning nothing into something. And, you know, that piece that you're upcycling, whatever piece that you took from the thrift store, you're turning it from somebody else's nothing into something, into your something, you know? And then Six-Six is basically um, a play on words. It's just like, you know, the road to success. The road to, si to success. <laughs> I say it so much to a place where I replace it in my vocabulary with the actual word success. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that some people don't really realize that like, you know, you build that relationship with your manufacturer and you realize what's going on behind the doors that not only do you get more a better story mm -hmm. behind the brand, you know, yeah. but you, you get that kind of personalized touch to your items too. I think the, um, I don't think I know of any manufacturers will go make something like that mm -hmm. without some, a push in the, the right direction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's usually they've got the blank stock or something like that and don't really go beyond that. No, for surely. Um, there was a lot, a lot of trials and error, of course. When you first sure. meet the designer and they're out of the country and it's like different time zones, all of that. But then, you know, you start, you got to build that trust. For me, it was like a big risk, of course, just spending that first few money. And I'm like, I hope I don't get scammed. <laughs> I hope I actually get these pieces that I'm paying for. And that's entrepreneurship. At the end of the day, you got to take the risk. You got to be able to like, put down some money into like what you have envisioned your goals you really want to do it you know you got still doing you know and that was just for me I was just like that's always a pep talk that I tell myself I'm an entrepreneur at the end of the day I never waited for like any big corporation to come in and be like yeah you can showcase in our runway or anything I hosted my own first independent show back in 2018 by myself um of course, with certain people helping me, but it was all by myself. I didn't wait for any handouts. And, you know, I did that for two years going. And that's where I really gained the experience from, like, throwing pop-up shops and throwing runways and everything like that. It was more of, like, just me doing it myself. And then 2020, 2021, I, I got that invite to be a part of Denver Fashion Week and stuff like that. And, you know... It's what I try to like preach to designers. You don't need a big establishment to like come and reach out to you or so on and so on. Start doing it yourself. Put out these lookbooks yourself. Post it on Instagram, YouTube. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can like do to put yourself out there and actually make an income and everything still while you're doing it so that you're not losing hope. Because that's one thing, you know, you know. People just want to see growth. People will always support you, but they always want to see growth. I started off making hoodies with Gildan. Are you familiar oh, with I don't know what that yeah, is. Gildan is like a material of a hoodie and so on and sweatpants. And basically they're not. Uh, people talk down on them. Um, and basically the whole point about Gildan is just like, it's like low quality and so on, and you can't really sell it for that much. I started off with Gildan and transfer paper, like transfer paper that could actually stick on a hoodie. Okay. And then okay. I started selling that. And I only did that for like a good year, a good year and a half. After that, I transitioned onto making like screen print and vinyl. And then, you know, COVID hit. Once COVID hit, I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to take this break to learn. 
everything that I've done as well, starting from 2018 to right now, has been documented. Knock on wood, 10 years from now, I'm trying to get my little Netflix documentary going. (laughs) 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 But no, for real, like, it's just everything that has been done currently and everything that I'm currently working on has been documented. So it's just like, it's like proof right there where you can see where it all started, where the inspiration came from, the vision and everything like that. So I think that's important for every artist, designer, yourself, content creator, anything like that. Like it's important to have a, um, something that's documenting right now. You're documenting all of this right now sure. through audio. <laughs> it's perfect. And you're basically going to be like, oh, damn, back then I used to have these. I'm not saying these are low quality mics. I'm not <laughs> saying that, but I'm just saying, for example, you're probably going to be like, yeah, I used to have those type of mics and now I have like the most high standard mics and I got right. headphones with my mics, uh, <laughs> you know? It's just small stuff like that. And it's just like nice to think back onto that, like have like hearing that or seeing that vision and your end goal come into play and fall hand in hand. I just feel like it's a beautiful thing for me. I like always going back on my little content back from 2018. And I'm like, oh, man, I even, I can't even remember that day right there. I was so stressed. Right, right. I was running around. It was crazy. So that's basically uh, how I think about certain things. And I just like think it's a beautiful thing. That's cool. I think that's a good goal to shoot for is be able to look back and see what you've done in the past and compare it to the present and see your progress tangibly, right? That analogy really strikes wrong with me because I actually before I had these things and I was first kind of getting into the podcast thing, um, I had just a little hand recorder for recording sound effects because I was working on collecting some like sound effects, just like twig snapping and whatever else I could find outside, you know? And um, then I was taking my journalism class for podcasting and then I um, went out and I got a small pair of these little condenser microphones. So these little tiny things, right? And I got these little tripods to set them up on. And I was like this way, I can do what I got here going right here right now and I can set them across the table on the tripods and talk to someone face to face and then I'll have both sides of the audio right mm-hmm. and then it's probably been more than a year since that class and then I dumped oh, I don't even know how much money these were now but these are great yeah <laughs> I, 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 I can tell <laughs> I can tell these gotta be expensive these got the nice little stand <laughs> everything like that because I was looking into podcasting for a little bit and I was like oof oh yeah <laughs> That's a hefty bag. (laughs) But no, it's really, and I think you see like how you just um, reminiscing on your memories is just like a beautiful thing, you know? It's nice even to see like, like for me, I look back on my memories because I started off with like designing from my house, designing on the mat, breaking my back, like uh, cutting with the scissors and everything. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm in like Denver Design Incubator where we have these big tables and like we can put out um, designs on the table and like actually cut that while we're standing and you know not breaking our back arcing our backs and stuff so it's like a beautiful thing where it's just like you know it's a bit you know it's a bittersweet moment like I still create from home don't get me wrong but like I prefer designing and everything over here it's just because like you know we have that um we have that nice space over here and it's like we can actually like do what we want and um just get creative every time you see another designer and you're creating another upcycling piece and so on and you're like wow you just you just really cut that piece off together and you just created something really cool you know and that's one thing where it was like 
I feel like for most designers, they're kind of scared to cut their pieces because they're like, I don't want to mess up this piece. Nah, 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 nah. And it's like, nah, like, once you practice and practice and practice, every scrap piece that you have can turn into something. Like, honestly, like, I've cut up so many pieces and then instead of like throwing away the piece and everything, I'll put it in a box and then I'll try to look back on the piece and try to recreate it. And I think that's really important. Like people need that little scrap box where they can like just go back to the designs and stuff like that. So that's what, that's how I think of it. People. Okay. 29th of October, we're hosting a runway called Make Do and Mend Runway. So like how I said, the whole Make Doing Men Runway was a campaign back in the 1940s based on upcycling. So what you can expect from this runway is upcycling pieces, reimagined, repurposed, reused pieces. Like you're going to be seeing denim, you're going to be seeing Halloween type of costumes um, with mixing to one. You're going to be seeing a lot of vision. It's basically going to be a team all like DDI staffers. Um, I'm teaming up with like four designers from DDI and we basically gonna have like a casting of 30 models and we're gonna be like styling the models with all the outfits that we make and everything like that. So the whole vision behind this is really like, you know, DDI right now was closed for like a while and everything like that trying to bring it back we're trying to bring some spark in here show them like what the youth is about because honestly the people who's really into the upcycling and everything like that of course you know we have some ladies who's trying to like learn how to make bags and so on out of denim and stuff like that but it's really the youth who's into the upcycling they want the crazy jeans they want the exclusive one of ones like nobody else wearing like when you walk down the street you're not looking like you have a twin or something you know so um that's really what they can really expect at the runway upcoming is we're going to have like just repurposed pieces upcycled and like varsity's jackets, merch and everything like that. A lot of denim and you know, it's like a Halloween thing, you know, since it's on the 29th of October, I try to give it the Halloween theme so people can come dress in costumes and everything like that. Yeah. It's going to be really nice. Oh, nice so the, and chilly. The, the people coming are coming in costumes. You're not, are you, you're not oh, trying to dress up anyone in a no, costume. No, the people the coming are coming in costumes, and the uh, um the models as well. Oh wow! We have some surprise um costumes for the models as well. So that'll be interesting. It's gonna be really fun. Where'd right. you get the idea for that? Honestly, I always wanted to do a Halloween yeah. show. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I really wanted to do like a Halloween runway, but then I was like, okay, how can we make the Halloween thing mix with um match it with the upcycling and sustainability and everything like that. And then, yeah, it just came to the mind. I was like, okay, yeah, we could do this. This, this is going to be really fun. So, um, yeah, it's going to be so unexpected when people see some of the models walk out there with some of these costumes. They're like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's cool. a type of reaction I'm trying to get. Um, that's the 29th of October. And then 20th November, I'll be doing Denver Fashion Week Sustainable Night showcasing my autumn winter collection and everything like that. You know, that's going to be perfect, guys. I feel like, yeah, I don't really, you really need to be there. Um, other important dates, the important date is really the 29th of October. That's the first event that we're hosting at DDI. And I really want to show them like 
what we can put to the table, what we can bring and everything like that and like how this can be brought up is the next fashion house. I really want like all the designers. This is a place where designers should be. This, this is like what I'm trying to emphasize. And then for the people who are not designers and like customers and so on, this is where you should be getting your next pieces, your clothes and everything. Stop going to them bougie stores who don't care about you. Come out to us. We get your right measurements and everything like that. We actually care about customers. And there's a bunch of designers in here who's really talented and so on and can create you the most firest, upcycled piece. One of one. Nobody else is going to have that. Only you. Only you. <laughs> yeah. That's basically the vision right now. And I think, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, I'm speechless. I think I spoke a lot. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I think, I think everything else is great. Uh, we're good? good. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have anything, anything else you wanted to get out there. Um, honestly, no, no. Maybe follow me on Instagram. <laughs> follow DDI on Instagram. So me, follow Killionaire. And that's Killionaire. It's basically Millionaire spelled with a K. Okay. Um, millionaire spelled with a K. So Killionaire underscore MXXIX. And then follow DDI's page, Denver Design Incubator. At, and I'm going to say that again. On Instagram, Denver Design Incubator. And on Facebook, same thing. Um, and plus, yeah, I think all of our titles will be included in wherever you're going to be streaming this podcast. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to Green Book Conversations. The Make, Do, and Mend runway has come and gone, but you can keep an eye out for more events and runways by heading over to denverdesignincubator.com and signing up for their newsletter at the bottom of the page. Link provided in the description.